Okay, so you're a brand new Christian. That's wonderful. Now, what are the next two things you need to do in your journey? Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve. Today we want to look at a message I've entitled, The Christian Two-Step. It's not the latest dance move on Dancing with the Stars. It's, it's the first two things that we do once we give our life to Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today for From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve, who's teaching his seven-message series this month entitled, The Next Step. The study is designed to move us all from one step to the other, drawing closer to God each time, walking in faith and learning to walk obediently with the Lord. So you give your heart to Christ. What comes next? What comes after salvation? You'll find out today what your next two steps should be in the message called The Christian Two-Step. Now, we'll be in this series for the next couple of weeks, but if you miss any day, you can catch up online at promiseheart.org or receive the complete seven-message series unedited on USB flash drive, digital download, CDs, or DVDs. It's our gift to you to say thanks for your support this month of any amount. Again, go to fromhisheart.org for details. Now, though, open your Bible to the second chapter of the book of Acts, as Pastor Jeff gets us out of our lounge chair and embarking on serving him, starting with the Christian two-step. Acts chapter 2, Peter stands up to preach. The Holy Spirit has fallen upon the little band of disciples, 120 of them. They all begin to speak in known languages, and the people hear them speaking in their native tongue. And they said, how, do, how are these people doing this? They're all Galilean, but we're hearing them speak in our native tongue. And they ask this question, what do these things mean? And Peter uses that as an opportunity to share the gospel. And so he shares about the Lord Jesus. And he says in verse 36, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. That, that's really an indictment. That is like the worst thing you could possibly do. You've been waiting for your Messiah, and when the Messiah came, you not only missed who he was, but you crucified him, this Jesus whom you crucified. In Acts chapter 3, he goes on to say, hey, not only did you crucify him, but when Pilate asked you, who do you want me to release for you, Barabbas, a known murderer, or Jesus, you chose Barabbas. As he says, you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and put to death the prince of life. I mean, this is serious, serious sin. It can't get any worse than that. And so he says, God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. It says, now when they heard this, verse 37, they were pierced to the heart, cut to the quick. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? The first question was, what does this mean? The second question was, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off 
probably meaning Gentiles. As many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. So then, those who had received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer, and everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. The Christian two-step, we see it in verse 41. Those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. The church began with 120 in the upper room. And then in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, it went from 120 members to 3,120 baptized believers. So here's our question today. Have you taken the two steps that follow salvation? So I want to share with you two truths from Acts chapter 2 from the passage that we just read. Truth number one, all those who have been saved are to be baptized. Every person who is genuinely saved is to be baptized. That's what the Scripture clearly teaches. Now, Peter preached that in-your-face sermon. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He preaches that sermon. The people are convicted. Now, one commentator I read said this, there can be no conversion unless there's first conviction. Now, the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts as Adrian Rogers used to say, I can preach truth, but only the Holy Spirit can impart truth. And so Peter preached, and he, he let it out there. I mean, he didn't pull any punches. He wasn't trying to say, well, you know, you guys are pretty good folks, but you kind of messed up here a little bit. He said, you crucified the Messiah. Like I said, that's the word. It can't get any worse than that. And so they're cut to the quick. They're convicted in their heart. God, the Holy Spirit, was working on them. What must I do? He says, repent and be baptized. True salvation involves both repentance and faith. If you're going to become a Christian, you have to repent and you have to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Now, when they said to Peter, what should we do? He said, just repent. And it's implied when he says, and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, it's implied that you put your faith and trust in Jesus. But one of the things you'll find in the Bible is when it comes to repentance and faith, both of those things are required for salvation, but they're used interchangeably. And when you say repent, that is assuming belief in Jesus. And when you say believe on the Lord Jesus, you're assuming repentance. Let me give you an example. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some men count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So Peter is saying, if you come to repentance, that's the same thing as coming to Christ in salvation. Repentance, and a a belief is assumed there. Now, in Acts chapter 16, verse 31, the story of Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail, when the Philippian jailer, the Lord performs a miracle, the jail is opened up, and the the jailer who had responsibility for all the prisoners, if they escaped, he'd lose his life. He pulled out his sword to kill himself, and Paul said, do yourself no harm, we're all still here. And he fell down before Paul and Silas and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They didn't talk to him at all about repentance. They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you should be saved. 
Now, it's, it's just assumed that there's repentance in that belief. Paul, when he was talking to the elders in Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, he breaks it out. And he says these words in Acts 20, verses 18 through 21. You yourselves know how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance and faith, those things are critical. Now, it is so important to remember that you can't get saved without repentance. We live in a world today that wants to throw repentance out the door and say, well, that's past tense. That's it. We don't want to do that anymore. We just want to believe in Jesus. We just want to have all the wonderful things about Jesus, but we don't want to turn from our sin. We don't even want you guys in the pulpit to talk about sin. Well, Peter talked about sin. He wasn't toning it down. John the Baptist talked about sin. It's very interesting that when you look at the ministry of John the Baptist, what did he say? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You listen to the, the ministry of Jesus. He begins his ministry, and what does he say? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, what does he say? Repent, change your mind. Metanoia, change your mind. What you think about uh, sin and self and the Savior, change your mind. Repent. Paul preached repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, unless you repent, you'll all likewise perish. Let me tell you what's happening in our world today. We have people today who are taking their sin and connecting it to their identity. This is who I am. And so they meld and weld their sin into their personhood. And then they say to you and to me and to the church at large, you're going to have to accept me as I am. This is who I am. And if you don't accept my sin, well, you don't accept me because my sin is myself. I, I have wedded those things together. Man, that's a serious issue when you do that. And that is why if you talk about their sin, they will call you a hater. Well, you're just a hater. You don't receive me because you don't receive my sin. Hey, the Lord doesn't receive our sin. The Lord loves us, but he doesn't love our sin. And we have that expression that we've used for years and years and years. It's a biblical expression. You love the sinner, but hate the sin. But see, in our world today, sinners are connecting their identity to their sin and so then that's who I become. And so if you don't accept my sin, you don't accept me. If you hate my sin, that means you hate me. Then you're a hater. Now, why do we talk about this so much? Because that's what's going on in our culture. Because the people who applaud those who take their identity and connect it to their sin, you, you are blowing up the bridge of salvation for that person. Why? Because they don't repent. Because once they see their identity and their sin as one, you don't repent of your identity. And you say, well, this is who I am, so obviously God is okay with who I am, so I don't have to turn from that. Now, the Bible is very clear. Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Peter told those people, repent. True salvation involves both repentance and faith. Now, the people responded, and our key verse is verse 41, so then those who received his word were baptized. They received his word. They welcomed his word. 
And they said, yes, we will receive Christ as Savior and Lord. And they were baptized. The Greek word for baptized is the word baptizo. Baptizo, used over and over and over again in Scripture, means to immerse. Anytime you see that in the Bible, if you want to just take the word uh, baptize out and put in immerse, that's what it means. And actually, those who were translating the Bible from Greek to uh, English, when they ran across that word baptizo, uh, they, they didn't want to translate it immerse because so many in the culture didn't immerse and especially the writers of the King James Version of the Bible because they knew, hey, the king is commissioning us to write this, and uh, he doesn't practice immersion baptism. And so if we change the word or translate the word uh, baptizo to be immersed, that could get us in trouble. So this is what we'll do. We'll just transliterate the word, and we will call baptizo baptize, and then the people can figure it out for themselves. But the word baptizo means to immerse. So when he says repent and let each of you be baptized, be immersed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what he's talking about. And 3,000 said yes. They put their faith and trust in Christ, and they were baptized. Now, remember this about baptism. Baptism does not complete salvation. It pictures salvation. I get people that will... Uh, write me from time to time or email and, and tell me I'm a heretic. Uh, typically, they're from a particular church. They tell me I'm a heretic. Why? Because I don't tell people they have to be baptized in order to be saved. Why don't I tell people they have to be baptized in order to be saved? It's because the Bible doesn't teach that. And see, they will come in with Acts 2.38 because that is their, uh, their killer verse for you have to be baptized to be saved. Look what it says. Peter said to them, repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I mean, black print on white paper. It says right there, you have to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. You might want to circle that word for. Interesting little word in Greek. It's the Greek word ice, E-I-S, ice. That word in Greek can mean on the basis of, on account of, or to obtain. Now, let me use it in English and see the different meanings, and we all understand these meanings. First example, he went to the store for milk. Does anybody have trouble with that one? Why'd the guy go to the store? He went to the store in order to get milk. He went to the store for milk. He didn't have milk. He had to go to the store in order to obtain milk. How about this question? He went to prison for murder. That's different, right? He didn't say, well, you know, I'm not a murderer, but I'll go to prison and murder somebody so that I can have the title of murderer. He went to prison on the basis of the fact that he murdered someone. See, we understand that. He went to the store for milk. Everybody understands. Oh, he didn't have milk. He's going to get milk. He went to prison for murder. Oh, we understand that. He committed murder. Therefore, he went to prison on the basis of what he had already done. When Peter is saying in Acts 2.38, repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ on the basis of forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is what he's saying. Now, I can give you a passage that is so definitive 
that baptism does not complete salvation. It's in the book of Acts, chapter 10. It's Paul, or Peter, I'm sorry, when he goes to the home of Cornelius. Cornelius the Gentile, who was the first to receive the Holy Spirit, he and his family, uh, from the Gentiles. You know, Acts is a transitional book. It's hard to uh, put hard and fast doctrine on the book of Acts because Acts is story, and Acts is a transition And the Holy Spirit just came in chapter 2, and the growth of the church is in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the remotest parts of the earth. In in Acts chapter 8, we see the gospel going into Samaria. Samaritans, they're half-breeds. They're half-Jew, half-Gentile. The Jews didn't like Samaritans. They thought they were uh, scum. They didn't ever want to go through. If you were walking from Galilee, which is up north, to get to Jerusalem, You would go way east on the other side of the Jordan River just so you didn't have to get your sandals in the contaminated dust of the land of Samaria because in in between, here's Galilee, here's Jerusalem, in between is Samaria. They would walk around because the Samaritans had cooties. I mean, you didn't want to get near those people. And so when the gospel came to the Samaritans, everybody's like, wow. And then it goes from the Samaritans, Acts chapter 8 to Acts chapter 10, to the Gentiles. And so Cornelius, who's a a Gentile, he gathers his family. Peter comes and shares with them. And it says this, Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. And all the circumcised believers, the Jews, who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles also. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter answered, surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay on for a few days. Now you ask yourself this question, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be saved? Well, it means two things. It means your sins are forgiven, and it means the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. Now, you can't be a Christian and not have the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, if any man does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. He is none of his. Paul says to the Corinthians, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have from God, and that you're not your own? And the Holy Spirit has come in. That's what it means to be a believer in Jesus. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, Cornelius and his family, as they were listening to Peter preach, they believed, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and they weren't baptized. And Peter says, who can deny the, the water for these to be baptized. They need to be baptized. They were saved, and then they were baptized. You don't get the Holy Spirit. You can't say, well, I have the Holy Spirit, but I'm not really a Christian yet because I haven't been baptized. No. The moment you get the Holy Spirit, you belong to him. You are part of the body of Christ. So baptism doesn't complete salvation. It pictures it. And that's why baptism is done in a pool of water because the word means to immerse. You can't immerse someone with a tablespoon and and just keep pouring it over their head. That's not going to immerse them. They have to go down in the water. And that's why when it talks about uh, the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, when he says to Philip, Philip shares the gospel with him, he believes, and then he says, uh, look, water, can I be baptized? 
And they went down in the water and he was baptized. Philip said to him, if you really believe, you may, because it's believer's baptism. And here is what it pictures. Baptism pictures your death and burial and resurrection. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. That's why you can't picture that with sprinkling. And the Bible picture is very important. Some say, well, it's, it's just symbolism. It's not very important. It's important to Jesus. The Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them, immersing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, if you want to blow off what Jesus said because you think you're smarter than he is, that's a scary place to be. We need to just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. This is what you want me to do. I'm going to do it. Baptism doesn't complete salvation. It pictures salvation. And baptism is our public identification with Jesus Christ. We're baptized to publicly identify with him. It's the statement that says, this is what has happened to me. I've given my life to Christ. I have died spiritually, died to my old way of life. I have a brand new life in Jesus. But you can't see that. Somebody today prays and asks Christ uh, to save them, to come into their life and forgive them. Jesus comes in. The moment that you ask Christ to come in, he comes in. And you know what? No one can see that. I got saved. I was 17 years old. I asked Jesus to come into my life and save me, and he did. And I was there in my room, and I didn't see it. Because it's spiritual. It's not physical. It's not uh, something that your eyes can see. It happens invisibly. Now, baptism is something that everyone can see. And baptism is a visible picture of an invisible reality. And what's the invisible reality? I've given my life to Christ, and I've died with Christ, and I have a brand new life in Him. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. What a wonderful picture that baptism symbolizes, our dying with Christ, and being raised to new life in Him. You're listening to From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve today and the message, The Christian Two-Step. As we've learned today, you ask Jesus to come into your heart, but you're asking yourself now, what's next? What comes after salvation? What is your next step? Well, there are several to come. In the Christian life, you either grow and glow or you dry and die. Maybe it's baptism joining a church, spending more time in the Word, strengthening your prayer life, or seeking a spiritual mentor to guide you in your growth and more. Well, you can discover the next step for you with Pastor Jeff Shreve's seven-message series, The Next Step. It'll help you deepen your walk with Christ, give you courage in sharing your faith, empowering you when tough times come into your life, and now that you're a child of God, they surely will. The devil will be after you, so you need to be prepared for that. Find out how in the seven-message series, The Next Step. It's our gift of thanks to you for your support from His Heart this month of any amount. You can make that gift when you call 866-40-BIBLE, 866-40-BIBLE, or go online to fromhisheart.org. Ask for the series on a USB flash drive, digital download, CDs or DVDs, your choice. And thank you so very much for helping From His Heart take the next step in reaching more people with the good news of Jesus by supporting this ministry outreach to a lost and a dying world. 
Our time is gone for today. I'm Larry Nobles, thanking you for being here and for telling others about this broadcast ministry, reaching the world with the good news, and praying that God is blessing your life. Be with us next time for part two of this second message in the series. It's called The Christian Two-Step. Join Pastor Jeff Shreve on Wednesday as we learn to take the second step as part of the Christian Two-Step, when we'll again open up God's Word and share real truth, real love, and real hope from His heart. From His Heart is the listener-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve in our 20th year broadcasting the truth in love to a lost and a hurting world. Remember, no matter what, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out more at fromhisheart.org.